it's Leslie Dirksen. Today we have a special treat for you. I'm interviewing my co-host, Lauren, today. I'm so excited and look forward to hearing more of her story and how God led her into missions. So welcome to the Compel Podcast, how ordinary women spread the gospel story. Leslie and Lauren, welcome to the Compel Podcast. Hey guys. Tonight, we're just sitting down. Too bad we didn't have coffee. Anyways. No, I would have been up too late. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, we're just chit-chatting and um, my girls are watching her kids. Yay. And our husbands are in Africa together. And we're just going to share a little bit about, actually, we're going to just have Lauren share tonight. Yeah, right taking turns because we've heard from you guys that you want to hear about the people who are interviewing people. Ah, so we get a taste of what it's supposed to be to be interviewed. (laughs) Ah, nerves. Anyways, I'm excited to hear more about you. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Lauren? Sure. I'm Lauren Dukeman and I am 28 years old and I grew up in Southern Texas and then the San Francisco Bay Area in California. I met my husband, Mark, at Ethnos 360 Bible Institute, and we've been married for 10 years now. And together we have two cute little kids, ages two and seven. What? I know. Today was his birthday, so I have a seven-year-old. It's crazy. He's so cute. But yeah, so we worked on staff at Emanate, which is, I think a lot of you guys now know that it's a cross-cultural training center. We worked there for two years before we moved to an island in the Asia-Pacific region where we then served at a training center teaching and discipling indigenous men and women to take the gospel back to their groups, their people groups, with the goal of seeing thriving churches on our island. So, um, but yeah, due to chronic medical issues, we had to unexpectedly return to Canada this past summer. And now we are serving on staff at the Ethnos Canada headquarters in Southern Ontario. And we are both on the public relations team. That's true. Mm -hmm. Who would have thought? Like, seriously? Four months ago, if someone would have told me, you're going to be working with Lauren, <laughs> and you guys are going to be doing a podcast on missions mm-hmm. for women, I would have been very... What? Uh, yeah, I yeah. just would not have believed that. It is, yeah, it just came out of nowhere, but I love yeah. it. And I think, yeah, I love working with you, and I think it just got, got a yeah. good fit here. It's crazy. It's crazy. So, what other interesting things about you, Lauren? <laughs> Because you are a very interesting person. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, what would people, like, what would be helpful for our listeners to know about me that would help them understand me? Yeah, the first thing that comes to mind is I grew up as a pastor's kid, but sometimes okay. I felt more like a military brat. Um, so we were PK. Yeah, PK. Um, yeah, we moved a lot. So maybe, like, once a year. And I think by the time I was 14, we had moved over 10 times. So I'm really good at packing. And I love change, so I don't mind it, and I don't mind meeting new people either. So that's a skill I got from that. What do you like about packing? Seriously. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just, well, I don't know if I like it, but I'm good at it. <laughs> so you like to get as much as you can in one suitcase. I'm really good at putting lots of things, okay. like packing them and just fitting things. Mark, when we move, we're like, there's no way we can take all this stuff home. I'm like, no, I can do it. <laughs> what else? Um, well, I wanted to be a large animal vet as a kid, but then in high school, I was seriously considering joining the Air Force or pursuing linguistics or like an ag major. But yeah, I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. But I think that, yeah, I think I've learned, 
I find too many things interesting. <laughs> too many things pull me. And so I have a really hard time also focusing on a specific project, like finishing a craft. So I have a lot of unfinished crafts hidden away in my house. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like reading and collecting books. And I don't think it yes. takes, I think if you walk in my house, you might just find that out. <laughs> but oh I can goodness. totally see myself being a university librarian, the one that's hushing the students. And then, yeah, just like, oh, look at these old out of print books. I would love that. Looking down your nose through your thick glasses. Yeah, it's like, children, <laughs> you know, that one. That would be me. I would you totally have enjoy that. so many books. I, I cannot believe how many books you have. Yeah, I would, well, my goal was to start, like, my own little library. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I just have to say, I actually have four of your books that I need to finish. Yeah, yeah. not like I've not written any books, so <laughs> you're borrowing four of my books. Yes, yes, I'm borrowing them from you, and I mm-hmm. need to finish them. But thank you. Your love of books has given me books. So your ideal day would be a quiet morning mm-hmm. with a cup of coffee. Yeah, and I would just sit and read uninterrupted. Yeah, that would but be now great. you have a puppy. So... Yeah, so now I have a two-year-old and a puppy, and so I get a few minutes at a time. So I really look forward to the teenage years when my kids will, Lord willing, sleep in on Saturday mornings. And Does that happen? Be, you'll all be reading. You've got teenagers. Do they sleep in? Oh, yeah. Okay, good. You can't wake them up. Oh, good. So I'll get my hot coffee and I'll sit down <laughs> and just read all morning. It'll be yeah. so great. It's so awesome. that Yeah, that's exciting that that can become a reality someday. But, yeah. And then I think the last thing I can think of, um, I studied and became a doula. And I was actually a student midwife for a while. But then... I realized that I far prefer being an assistant and a support to midwife and actually bearing the responsibility of a midwife. And it was around this time that when my job was supporting women and educating women about childbirth, that this passion began just stirring in me to help provide resources for women to grow in God's word and to be discipled and equip them to teach God's word. And yeah, these things really get me excited. So that was really cool just to see that change. Mm -hmm. So how did you get involved in missions, Lauren? I actually heard about Ethnos Canada from a former missionary in California, where I'm from. So he came and shared at World by Perspectives, which is a great course. And he shared on the lesson about unreached people groups. And I was blown away. Um, I didn't realize that there were still complete people groups without any access to a Bible in their language or access to another believer who could share with them the gospel in their own language. So that was just crazy. I could not believe that. Um, so he came to your church? Mm-hmm. Okay. Our church hosted the classes yeah. and he yeah. came. Um, and How then, old were you then? Um, I think I was maybe 14. Oh, wow. So okay. pretty young. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I think what I did next was just an outflow of hearing about that need. So a lot of my friends have shared like, oh, you know, I had a dream and God called me to this country and I didn't have that. I just, I just Googled <laughs> missions organizations and I started researching and learning more about missions because I just love researching. Um, and then from that, I went on a few short-term mission trips to like Peru and Cameroon and Turkey. Why? Um, you went to those three countries? I did in high school. Can you believe my parents just sent me? Like, it's crazy. But I'm really glad they did because I learned wow. a lot. So it just opened my eyes to just a bigger world and just seeing other cultures as a high schooler. Um, and especially in Turkey, just seeing millions and millions of people, the majority of which, yeah, do not have believers. So that was just really convicting to see that there are so many people that needed to hear about God um, and that conviction is just growing in my heart. So let's put a plug in for short term missions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Right? Yeah. Like, honestly, it is the best. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, just the exposure and just, yeah, Yeah. you don't need to go build something, but just going and seeing, wow, another culture, that's why I need to Mm -hmm. learn a culture because Mm -hmm. I have no idea, like, why they're doing Mm -hmm. what they're doing. All right, so back to the um, worldwide perspectives. Mm -hmm. He came and spoke at your church, mm -hmm. and then you... He actually came and spoke at my church again. So he came and shared at my youth group when we were on another short-term mission trip at Tijuana. Um, He just came and challenged us that God is calling everyone to go and make disciples of all nations, and that even if we didn't know exactly what God wanted us to do Mm -hmm. and be involved with that, just to start doing something, because then then God can direct our path. Right. Um, And I think he said something like, God can't stop. Can't, God can't drive a stopped car. Is that? I'm really bad at the yeah, analogies. No. Does that sound right? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I got the gist of it. Um, so yeah, I just kept taking these so small. Just keep moving. In yeah, a... I just started moving. When I said like looking at organizations, and then I thought, well, maybe I'll try out this short-term trip he talked about called Interface, which you know about. Yeah. Um, so they. Yay, Interface, yeah. Papua New Guinea. Um, so it's a summer yeah. college level course about missions. So I applied. And then as I was Googling, I found that, oh, New Tribes Mission, or now Ethnos, has a Bible school. So I didn't know what I wanted to do in college because I I struggled. What major do I want to do? So I decided to work in the summer and go to Bible college because no matter what I do in life, whether I'm missions or not, I can benefit from a Bible education. So Wait, so did you go to public school? I was homeschooled, and then I went to community college, and then I went to public school my senior year. Oh, okay. So you were 17 or 18? I graduated when I was 17. Okay. Yeah, I was young. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. a baby. So you whisked off to mm-hmm. uh, EBI. Yeah, so from California to Michigan. Yay, Michigan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so that's awesome. Okay, so here you are. You're a 17-year-old interested young lady and missions and everything what did you think about ebi like what was your initial like your first semester and stuff as you started studying god's um, word yeah i wasn't sure what to expect because i just never i never i don't know anyone there yeah um and then i was just like oh, i'm just gonna try it out for a semester and see how i like it but i, I really liked it i learned so much um we studied the meta narrative of the bible for semester um, so just a big picture of the Bible. And that was the first time I'd seen all the little stories in the Bible, like the story of Noah and the story of um, King David. Um, and it just made sense as they were told chronologically as any story would be. And yeah. then we studied each book of the Bible in depth, verse by verse. And on top of on top of the Bible classes, we studied like theology classes. So the Holy Spirit, how it worked in our lives. And I learned about my position and my condition in Christ, which I had never heard before. Um, we learned about end times and covenants and theological truth, like justification, sanctification. Yeah, just a lot. So it was life-changing because there's so many new things I've never heard before. And they really did make an impact in my life. Mm-hmm. 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 That's awesome. And... <laughs> I, I, what? Unsuspectingly? What happened? <laughs> oh, I wonder what happened. I, I met this really funny... I mean, not... Funny looking, good looking Canadian guy in my class, and so. But when we first met, was that the wait? Was that what? the first Canadian guy you'd ever met? No, I've met some more. Oh, okay. But or some others. Okay. <laughs> when we first met, his Canadian accent was so strong. I thought his name was Bug, but like I didn't know that many Canadian people, so I was like, oh, that's just some that just Box must be a, a normal name up in Canada. <laughs> But then I found out that his real name is actually Mark, and that made a lot more sense. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, we started dating within two weeks of meeting. 
Whoa. Yep. So I don't Uh, always tell people this. Um, but yeah, I was really impressed with just how much he was growing in his walk with Christ and just faithfully following God in his life. Um, and at that time, Mark wanted to support tribal church planning in South America. But I was like, nope, I'm going to, I'm not going to the jungle. I have no desire. Um, I was thinking about going to like an urban Muslim city in the Middle East. Yeah, but throughout that semester, I think God just really changed my heart. And I just really surrendered this idea of what I wanted to do and yeah, I just had a desire to pursue working among an unreached people group in a remote location that was asking for missionaries. Mm-hmm. And I think somewhere in our first semester, we had this casual conversation like, um, well, we like each other and we both want to do the same thing now. We both want to be in missions. Right? Yeah, we both want to be in a specific branch of missions. Um, so it just made sense like, oh, we should just get married. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. And then because we knew like, well, we want to get married. Why would we wait a year? Let's just get married now, mm-hmm. it just made sense. And, spe- and we would save on rent tuition. That was another thing. Like, we could get married now or wait. But so we got married the August, that following August. So we, yeah, under a year of meeting, we got married. And then we finished Bible school. And then eventually we made our way to the Missionary Training Center in mm-hmm. Canada. Mm-hmm. Wow. Did you kind of know where you were headed after that? Like, did you guys come up here? Yeah, we came yeah. to Emini. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So at that point, you had already figured it all out. Like you were just going to surrender wherever, wherever you ended up. It wasn't like you yeah. wanted specific. Well, I think place. we were both willing. Oh, yeah. So we were willing to, I was willing <laughs> to finally consider places that I didn't think I wanted to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, like a remote like Papua New Guinea. I was like, I do not want to go to Papua New Guinea. Oh, I did not want to go at all. And I was fighting God with that. Um, but when we got in the training, we decided, yeah, we want to pursue being church planners. I think it just fed us well. Um, Mark is a really gifted teacher and I did really good with linguistics. So I thought, yeah, I really want to be a Bible translator. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, we were young and healthy and able. So why wouldn't we try going kind of the a most interior position yeah. first. Like if not everyone can do that, let's try for that. Mm-hmm. And then if that doesn't work, we could always do something else and that and part of it. Um our family verse is Proverbs sixteen nine. Um and it said that is a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his step steps and yeah, we repeatedly saw the Lord directing our steps in our lives. And when you finished the training you were fairly young. Yeah, I was still young. I think I was twenty one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was partway through training that we found out we were expecting our first child. So when I was, yeah, when I was 21, um, we had contacted all the fields prior to that and were in the midst of interviews with a field in Asia Pacific region. But during our jungle camp practicum, we got a phone call from our midwife saying that our son had a major problem with his heart and that we needed to go see radiologists right away. So we went and yeah, Leo was diagnosed in utero with some major congenital heart defects. His aorta and his pulmonary artery and his left and right ventricle were flip-flopped. So the blood was circulating, but not the way it was designed to. Um, and his heart would eventually not be able to keep up and would go into heart failure if it was not treated. And he also had two large holes in his ventricles and some other defects and complete heart block, meaning that his heart didn't beat properly. So it was completely dependent on a pacemaker. But yeah, so we got that phone. We figured oh, that out and we were just shocked. It was just so much to take in. Um, he was the due the same week we were graduating. You must have cried a lot, Lauren. I did, yeah. And I think 
just because like, well, is he alive? Like, I, you just don't know. Like, I can't feel my baby. Like, oh, I don't know if he's alive. So it was just a lot of shock and a lot of, I don't uh, know, how many fear. weeks did you find that out? We found out at 18 weeks. So the oh, whole wow. rest of the pregnancy, we just kept waiting. We just waited. We just for... see how long. Yeah. Yeah. But it was hard because we were graduating soon. What are we supposed to do after we graduated? Because we felt so burdened for these people groups who needed to hear the gospel. And we just didn't know what, what God, yeah, God, God had brought for. this into yeah. your lives. Yeah. So the rest of the pregnancy just became a time of waiting on the Lord and just trusting in him and what was he going to do or do with us. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think during that waiting time though, God really helped me grow in my understanding of who he is and so many other great theological truths kind of that we learned at Bible school that we were just able to store up and yeah, lean in on those scary moments. I remember being a part of a small uh, group here that would meet for prayer, mm-hmm. and your mother-in-law was in one of the, like, was in that group, mm-hmm. and man, we just spent so many hours praying for you guys. Yeah, I think so many people prayed for Leo, and I just, yeah. And even during his surgery mm-hmm. and all that, that was so scary. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, our greatest fear, obviously, was that, yeah, our son would die from heart failure before we got to see him. Or then the fear of, like, well, if he does survive the birth, how long will we have him for? And, yeah, it was really hard thinking the idea, like, well, I could lose my child, my first child. And I think part of that thinking was, like, I just felt entitled to a healthy child Mm -hmm. or that it would all go well because whatever. Oh, I love God. You're in in missions. Like, um, isn't this what God wants us to do? So it just didn't make much sense in that regards, but... When we were in general camp, we were completing our studies and we did a devotional about how, how God owns us because he created us and he bought us. So I'm going to try out an analogy. <laughs> um, is it Mark, Mr. Analogy Man? He is. He's great at analogies. And I'm like, just don't tell me analogy. Just tell me the point. But I'm going to try one out. Um, so if I went and made something, whose is it? It's mine. Um, who determines what could be done to that thing? It's me. So if I made bread, I get to determine who eats it. Like if the kids are napping, I could smother it with butter and just eat it all myself before they wake up. Or I could call you over and we could eat a fresh bed together. Oh, it'd be Mm -hmm. so good. Or when the kids wake up, I could take them and we could go feed it to ducks. I could even just like throw this bread away because I made it. It's my bread. So I have the right to determine what I want to do with it. And like the bread can't tell me, oh, I just want to be reserved for toast or whatever bread wants to do. Yeah. But in the same way, God made us and he told us why he made us to bring him glory. And he told us that he, what he wants us to do. He made us in his image to be like him. And he wants us to be like Christ. And he also bought us. So he sent his son to die for us, to pay the punishment of our sins and to be our redeemer. So yeah. Do I get to decide what I want to do with my life? No. Mm-hmm. I need to ask yeah. my creator and my savior, what do you want me to do with my short time here on earth and so that you will receive glory and so that your name is known in all the earth so that's pretty cool that yeah i like that analogy yeah Yeah, all of this just helped me understand that yeah because god owns me and loves me god loves my unborn child and cares or even my yeah now born child and cares for him more than i ever could and whatever amount of time this i have with this kid on earth that's what god deems is right so i can trust god with that Mm -hmm. um but yeah, how we got back into missions. Okay, so Leo had a surgery after he was born. Um, and then a surgery later, like a heart opens heart surgery when he was around 10 months old. 
And during that time, that's when we decided to join the MNA staff. So we helped train missionary candidates and mobilize others um, in Canada to go and plant churches among energy people groups. Mm-hmm. And yeah, God was just using this waiting time, I think, just to teach us that he loves us and cares for us more than we could ever care for each other, for Mark and I. And he proved himself faithful. Like he brought us through these difficult circumstances and gave us a peace beyond our understanding. And he proved himself trustworthy. Because, yeah, Leo had incredible surgery. I mean, incredible recovery from surgery. Even the doctor was like, wow, he's good. So yeah, he needed no follow-up surgeries. Yeah. He needed no, like, medication. So after one year of recovery, his cardiologist is like, yeah, he's got the green light to go overseas. I'm like, what? Like, no way. We couldn't believe it. So we just jumped back into the application process. And, yeah, we got accepted to go. And it was really just really cool just to see God granting this desire of our heart to go overseas. Mm-hmm. Okay, so after all of that, um, I don't know, just incredible story of how Leo made it through surgery and you guys um, getting the okay to go back over, or to go overseas, um, when did you finally make that move? Mm-hmm. Um, we were finally able to go in 2015, so I think it was six years after we were married, after we decided we want to go overseas. Um, we got to move to an island in Asia Pacific region with a healthy two-year-old and we began studying the national culture and language and it was a lot of work but that year was also a lot of fun. So that's when you were in a large city learning the national language. What did you do after that? Well first we had a baby, another one. We went back to Canada in 2017 to have our daughter Talia and then when she was nine weeks old we moved back to that country but on a different island that was more remote, more that was more remote, yeah, where we studied that dialect. And yeah, we just began praying about where the Lord would have us go. Um, We actually teamed up with a really amazing family and we thought we were going to go work in a church plant up in the Highlands region. Um, But yeah, we just began to experience health issues. And along with the realization that, yeah, Leo might need further operations in the future. And if we are moving to a place that's only accessible by helicopter and the missionary plane, that makes us a step farther if we ever need medical care. So God was just slowly using our health to direct us from going interior interior for that reason. Um, or not for that reason, but for, yeah. <laughs> maybe, I don't know what reason. But yeah, so that was a really stressful time because we had no idea, like, what are we going to do? Like, we had come all this way to do church planning interior, um, and now we're not. So one day we thought, we're moving interior, let's draw up our tribal house plans and purchase our supplies. Um, and the next day, like, oh man, we just can't do that. Yeah, but then we also felt guilty because... We had planned to go interior for our whole married lives and all of our partners thought we were going interior. So it just felt like we had to do our duty and just go, even though we were seeing it wasn't really a good fit for our family. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just that time with just the back and forth of all the emotions, one day this way, the other day, the next day, it's just, it was a lot. So it was a real time of unrest and just not really yeah. a lot of direction. And finally, our leadership was just like, um, you should try you know, serving at this. Our organization has a national training center in that town. So we checked it out because at first we're like, we're not going there. That's not what we want to do. <laughs> but we checked it yeah. out like, oh, this is kind of like exactly what we want to do. Um, so we decided to join that team. And I think once we made that decision, it was just so freeing. It was just like this load was lifted off our shoulders. We could just pull our energy into that. We had direction and guidance. And the training center was really a great fit for our family. And instead of working with like one people group, we were given the opportunity to work with people from all different people groups on our island and people that didn't have to wait for paperwork or wait 
and learn a language or learn that culture and they didn't have the stresses of living in that environment like we're at huts and just eating sweet potatoes for breakfast because that's what they grew up in that was their own culture and they mm. don't need paperwork to get back to your own village right um so it just made a lot of sense especially with visa stuff sometimes not being available and it i think i said this earlier it just fit our gifting well mm-hmm. um because mark was still able to use his gift of teaching and discipleship and i was able to get involved in lots of different things yeah i was most excited because i got to be in helping training the women mm-hmm. um and our our women co-workers we were taught together through the chronological bible lessons with them and that was just really amazing and helping with literacy because a lot of the women didn't know how to read and write or were just learning that um and then discipleship with them outside of class uh, we did a lot of prenatal and postpartum care for the ladies Ooh, that's cool we had like two or three of them have babies in their departments on campus oh wow um or their kids would need medical care so we just did basic stuff or we had sent them mm-hmm. out so your doula experience really yeah it handy. was really helpful yeah. so giving like yeah following up with newborns we had a lot of we had some weird stuff like oh, i've never seen this i could look up in the textbook like okay this is what that is and then treating that with help of doctors from outside of country um and yeah so lots of other fun stuff like translating resources into the language for the kids for having more resources just bible resources for them um we started a library to help find more books to help increase their literacy and like books about theology and um, commentaries just because we're training up pastors so we need to get them more resources so that was really fun um yeah there's just so many opportunities when you're in town like just so many things you could do to support church planning and that was just really exciting to be a part of that sounds like a really good fit for you guys yeah we loved it and we had so many good friends and our co-workers and we just we had um, two national co-worker families and a single gal, and they were just so amazing, just so gracious and kind. We love the students, but mm-hmm. yeah, and that's when we just started getting really sick. Um, and we also just had a really rough year. <laughs> a lot of different traumatic things happen. Just like crazy. a snowball effect. Yeah, just one yeah. thing after another. You're, I'm in my kitchen one night, and like, we had an infest, a tick infestation. There were thousands what? of ticks. Like, all in our laundry room from this dog that we were bar- not borrowing, dog sitting. Yeah, And no all way. of our, like, Leo has all these skin infections, so he's, I'm milking these goats that we're watching. We have a horse that we're watching for someone. What? Um, <laughs> it's just crazy. And, like, just so all these other crazy things going on. A and then I'm clinic. trying to cook dinner with, like, this baby <laughs> at my feet, and then the power goes out. I'm like, oh, my word, like, how can this be? Just crazy days. But on top of that, like, we experienced several large earthquakes. One, like, we were on a tsunami warning. We can't really go anywhere. Um, there was an awful, awful flash flood and landslide that destroyed our church, tons of houses, half our town. Um, our house helper lost 16 family members. I saw pictures of that. Yeah, it was horrible. That was yeah. really, really sad. And just really yeah. rough stuff, like all like, one after another. Like several of the babies that our island team was caring for died. Um, one from burns, one of our own students died from tuberculosis, and she was a young mom, so leaving behind two kids and... Which is heartbreaking, and on top of that, we had to move six times in one year just due to extraordinary circumstances. Oh my goodness! Um, we had robbers break in our house like lots of times, so it was just nuts. <laughs> and then our landlord sold our house without telling us, and just kicked us out. So it's like it was just a lot yeah. in one year. Our our other missionaries are like, oh, just so you know, like what you're experiencing isn't normal. Don't don't worry, like it's not going to be like this forever. Or we we went and had. We went somewhere and came back. Um, and then one of them was like, oh, I wasn't expecting you guys to come back. I'm like, what? Why? 
I think just because of what they sell go through, they're like, oh, normally yeah. people wouldn't come back after that. So they're like, oh, For sure. well, yeah. I guess we should not take lightly what we've gone through and just make sure getting care for that. Um, that is a lot to go through in just a couple months. That's yeah. pretty overwhelming. So yeah, and then... Because you just have no time to rest. Yeah. No time to recover. Yep. And just, yeah. And then like out of unexpected out of country visa trips and, and it wasn't just us. I'm not saying, oh, our poor family. Like a lot of people, a lot of missionaries or coworkers were going through the same things we were. So I think part of it, just missionary life, there is a lot of extraordinary circumstances yeah. that they go through. And just some, like, I'm looking at my coworkers. I'm like, oh my goodness, how are they going through this stuff? And like, I, this is what I'm going through, but I'm looking at them. Like what they're going through is way more challenging than what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just, I think for our whole team, it was just a really rough year. <laughs> yeah, so this is when our health just started declining. Um, I was already having this weird side effects, but my husband just got really, really sick. It got so bad that he could barely eat and he couldn't keep food down. So he'd go to teach class in the morning, come back, and he would sleep all day um, and he couldn't eat. So he was getting really malnourished. He couldn't digest food properly. Um, yeah, so it got to the point where he couldn't even go to the school. He had to stay at home all day. So um, physically. Physically. Was it was just kind of like out. he was sick in yeah. bed all day with, like, malaria. That's but, crazy. And because of that, like, our family was no longer thriving. We just couldn't keep up with the demands of life there. And just felt like, man, we're just barely surviving each day. Because with Mark sick, that left me with two young kids, shopping in the market, scratch cooking, just normal overseas yeah. life, paying bills and picking up the ministry load and yeah. And our kids were already stressed from the constant moving and just seeing their dad sick and they were experiencing these traumatic things too and seeing everyone else experience these things. Um, so I was definitely getting to the point where, yeah, I'm reaching burnout. Yeah. Um, and it got to the point where I just was like, oh, I'm in SOS mode. Like I texted a wife on leadership, like we have to get out, we have to get out here now. Like I don't even know how I have the ability to stand another day here. And I didn't want to like leave later and like push my husband in a wheelchair and have two kids travel three days to get back to Canada. That was so, probably really a hard decision to to make. Yeah, it's like you never wanted to leave. No, it just got to the point where it just got to a point like we just couldn't. It just can't like. Um, but we had a lot of good help. Like we talked yeah. with our leadership there. Um, we talked with our sinning church and member care from Ethnos and our Ethnos Canada leadership here. And they were all in agreement. Like, yeah, you need to go. Like, and because of our, all of our health stuff, like we knew like, yeah. well, we probably can't return here just because we are so remote. We can't get the care for our health needs and Leo's future health needs. So we made that decision on a Tuesday. We moved in with a pilot family. We sold all of our stuff in a big garage sale. And then we cleaned our house, said our goodbyes and just got on a plane. And it was just, um, yeah, on a plane on the Wednesday. So within a week of making that decision, we were out like, yeah, that just sold so everything fast. and left. So that was crazy. So looking back now, it was a good decision. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't our plan to leave. Like, yeah. we didn't want to. And it, yeah, it was not our desire. We wanted to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we had always planned to spend our entire lives in the mission field. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> and you loved your, your ministry and your teammates mm-hmm. and... Yeah, so it didn't really yeah, help. No, like safe. we loved our coworkers, yeah. so and we I don't think, even have any clinics in our. Office. I know we used them all. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, yeah, I think saying goodbye to our coworkers was just like oh the most difficult thing we've ever done. The fact that we were just grieving like all of these dreams we had for our ministry for our students, like seeing them come to maturity and go back to the people group, 
um, all these good things we wanted to do, but just realizing, yeah, we're never going to see these come to fruition. And that was really heartbreaking. I think this is the verse I kept remembering. But Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And that was what we were feeling. I think all of our yeah. dreams and ministry weren't happening and our hearts just became sick and sad. And yeah, I think we just spent our final three to four days just weeping. So yeah. we wept anytime a friend would come or we'd see a friend. We would just, our friends and us would just be weeping. And we wept in our coworker's house saying goodbye. I remember just stopping. I just stopped in my motorcycle, just weeping. I couldn't drive because I was crying so much. Yeah. Um, so I just felt like a funeral, like just the amount of grief we were experiencing and just sadness. But, but finally making the decision to return to Canada was just such, also such a relief. I think to know soon that we would just be removed and taken out of this high stress environment and get help that we needed. And I was like medical help and just support from our family members and yeah. um, having schools and yeah, yeah, just all of that. And yeah, and then, yeah, just also just selfishly like rejoicing, like, oh, we don't have to sweat anymore and we can just grocery <laughs> shop in peace and we won't get teased or bothered. We just fit in because we're going to be back in our home culture. So that there was that yeah. excitement too. So yeah, it's just so, so many emotions. Yeah. Wow, Lauren, that's just a whirlwind of emotions and. I just can't imagine. Actually, I can't imagine because I've been through similar some things of too. similar yeah. stuff. Um, but I've never been through any of those terrible storms or landslide or for sure. So did you have a hard time trusting God during that time? Yeah, I think it just mainly because it didn't make sense. Like what was happening to us, you know, we spent so many years of our lives training and just taking the time to raise support and go overseas and do this and do tribal church planning. And then we spent two years reaching fluency in the national language. And that was not mm -hmm. easy. That was a lot of hard work and sacrifice. Um, and then God directed our steps to this ministry that we didn't want to do at first, but then we ended up loving it. So I think one of the questions we were really struggling with was, God, what are you doing? Like we are willing to come here and we made it this far after trial, after trial, and we're still here. And we want to see these students grow and gospel taken to villages and these are good things isn't this good to pursue and what to do but you don't want us to be here it just didn't make any sense mm -hmm. um i know like the lord obviously moved us home and that was totally his doing because it was not our doing but returning home also just felt really shameful like oh man we've just failed like and what god wanted us to do what others were expecting that we would do so yeah it was hard well thanks for sharing that did you want to share the other truths that you've been leaning on? Yeah, I don't think God, I think God knew what he was doing. Obviously, he knew what he was yeah. doing. Um, so I don't think, wow, what a waste of time that was. Because I think God had a specific purpose for that time. Yeah. Um, and we might never know what that is. But kind of just like how, you know, you mentioned when our son was born, we had to rely on all these mm -hmm. truths that we um, knew about God and um, just relying on these to get us through these hard times. And so... We just had to remind ourselves of what do I know about who God is? Um, so like, what do we know? Um, so thinking of stuff like, well, we talked earlier about he is our creator, but he's not just our creator. Like he's God, the father. Psalms 103, 13 says, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. And yeah, he is a God, a father God that cares for us so much that he sent his only son to die for us. And because he is holy and sinless, he is a perfect father. So unless, unlike us, like as parents, um, he doesn't forget. He doesn't know 
um, or he always knows the best way to respond to situations like us. (laughs) And he never deals with us like a frustration or anger because we did something wrong, but he is always patient towards us. We also know he never changes. His character doesn't change. So why would he be faithful and good to me during the other hard circumstances of my life? Like when Leo was born, but not this one. His, con- yeah. his character is always consistent and reliable and faithful. And yeah, there's just so many things. But yeah, the last thing I can think of is we just know God is good. Um, there were so many times it was easy to question God's goodness. Like, Lord, yeah. why aren't you stopping this bad thing from happening? Why aren't you helping these people? Why aren't you like, why just stop these landslides or stop these people from dying. But if remember again that, yeah, God is all-knowing and we are not, we can't see the big picture and we may never see how God brought good out of a situation. Right. We can't yeah. see all the ways he's at work and working people's lives and working in our own lives through allowing these trials to happen. And we live in a fallen world, so bad things are going to happen. And if they didn't happen to us, we wouldn't realize the seriousness or the consequences of our sin and how we are desperate sinners in a need of a savior. So I feel like this world is even preaching to us our sinfulness and our need to turn to a good and loving savior and to tell others about this savior. So it, it's building this anticipation of the new life to come with Christ when, yeah, he's going to vanquish Satan and we're going to reign with him in a place there are no sin, no tears or death. So that's what God is desiring for us. Yeah, so at the end, we can live with him for eternity in a place that is only good and where there are not any traces of sin. So that's really exciting for me. Preach it, sister. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And come Lord Jesus. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I looked back on my Instagram account. I know you journal, but I don't have time to journal. I take pictures and I use Instagram just to document our time. Um, But I posted last, year two years ago a beautiful quote my favorite quote from charles spurgeon who said i have learned to kiss the waves that throw me up against the rock of ages Mm -hmm. and i wrote it has felt like wave after wave has been buffeting against us these past few days three of us coming down with fevers while moving into a new house amidst tropical heat and other mishaps and unexpected situations many moments i felt like i was treading water and didn't think i could go on but those are the moments I suppose we have to choose whether we will keep our eyes on Jesus or not. But whether we do or not, he is a faithful one. He miraculously gives us the grace we need for every passing moment. So yeah, yeah I can see yeah, yeah, all the theological truths that we learn and just stored up what we know about God and what to be true about him mm-hmm. that just helped us keep an eternal perspective in that crazy circumstance. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah, I think I can just summarize what we learned on the field or learned in our lives is just God directs our path and he is always good and faithful and our success isn't based on what we do. But if we're living our lives in faithful obedience to God, that is it. That is success. Yeah. Um, so now you're back in Canada and you've been back since June. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's gone fast. I actually. know. It's like, that's not that long ago, but oh yeah. And you guys, after hearing your story just now and then realizing how you just jumped right back into ministry and yeah, I'm sure you took a few weeks to rest and, and of course it's taken some time to get better health wise, Mm -hmm. but you guys have just basically jumped right in and, um, joined Ethnos Canada staff and in your ministries and stuff. And I don't know, I just want to commend you for that. Because a lot of people might have just said, that's it. We're done. 
Hmm. Pack up. <laughs> Thanks, Leslie. <laughs> so, yeah, I can see God working in your lives through those hard times, but also giving you the strength to keep hmm. going despite, you know. Yeah. But isn't that cool? Like, yeah. I just think, what a cool God we serve. Like, yeah. That he can do that for us. Because I feel like, yeah, right before we arrived back in Canada, our pastor read that passage from Second Corinthians um, 8 and 9, talking about, like, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair. And, yeah, that was us. Like, we were sick and weary and crushed, yeah. but not driven to despair or forsaken because God, he was there with us. He knew. He's still good and loving. Mm-hmm. And even just seeing his provision when we returned, like, we couldn't find a place to rent in town, but he provided a furnished apartment on campus. Like, we didn't own anything, but we didn't have to buy anything right away. So that was so nice. Um, and a car, like, someone donated a car to us. So we didn't have the energy to search for one, but God provided one. And then, yeah, just these new ministry roles that we do love and we really are excited to be part of because we still get to work towards something that we are burdened for and commanded to do, spreading the gospel to the ends of the earth. So we're just really thankful I think that God is still using us here in Canada. It's not what we thought. Like if you asked mm-hmm. us last year, did you know you'd be here doing this and doing a I podcast? Know. Like, no way. Like, why would we do that? Yeah. But God directed our steps here. That, I mean, mm-hmm. if he's directing us, that's where we should be. And I want to be in that. So, yeah. So I'd say if any of our listeners are considering to go overseas, they're thinking, I don't think I can do that. You're right. You can't. We can't do that. But God can. And God wants us to all, both men and women, to go out and make disciples of all nations. And he didn't just call us and leave us to it. He's not an impersonal God. He has equipped us in so many ways. So I'd say, just like the mission rep told me, just start moving and taking steps and God will direct your path to where he would have you. Amen. I so loved my chat with Lauren and she talked a lot about short-term mission trips and our mission has a new short-term program called Encounter. So for two weeks, you can learn, serve, and experience ministry among unreached people groups. And if you're interested, you can go to EncounterTrip.org to learn more about Encounter. Thanks for listening.